Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another set, uh, uh, b- 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 episode of Practical Rambling Fathers. That was an awesome intro. Well done. I was fumbling, but I managed to recover. Fantastic. So we're going to talk today about the two commandments, number six, which is thou shalt not commit adultery, and then number nine, thou shalt not covet the neighbor's wife. I think, Before, what? Go for it. As before we talk about these things, we want to present to you in this way, right? God has loved you a lot, right? <laughs> and because because of His Infinitely. love for you, you, yeah, even before the world began, He had a picture of you in mind that He wants to protect you. He wants to give you the best life. If that's what we're approaching this, right? The beauty, how does one express His love? What is the highest form of love and what is the most intimate form of love? So the sixth and the ninth commandment talk about that, how the highest form of love, and we can see in a concrete way through the sacrament of marriage between a man and a woman when they get married and become husband and wife through the gift of sexuality. And this gift is so precious in the eyes of God that he wants to protect it. And that's why he has this high, his really heavy emphasis on, on if you read through the scriptures, such as the Song of Songs or um, even the Prophet Hosea, it talks about how it should be protected, right? How this beloved is in the castle, peeping over the windows to find her lover. But the lover can't get in because he has to knock. He just can't climb up the window, right? So it's, it's always has been this idea of, this chivalrous love that needs to be protected. Yeah, there's an analogy out there of, um, first off, we also want to say sex is a great thing, a good thing. Um, yes. God yes. could have brought about new creation in any way to make more humans, and he chose this intimate being able to um, mm-hmm. see each other and um, being able yep. to actually embrace the perfect symbol, which we'll get into, theology of the body, the perfect symbol in front of me, be able to give myself and receive and know that I've been received, mm-hmm. uh, which is the two sides of any gift being given and knowing that uh, I'm received. But sex is a great thing, and the church is always going to protect it. Uh, the church is, uh, being the bride of Christ, is always going to protect it. And there's this analogy that's been made um, that it's um, the perfect uh, protecting the perfect golf swing. Um, so there are things that can happen, and there are things that can't happen in order for a golf swing to even be possible in the first place. So there are things that the church is always going to hold out uh, as the bride of Christ that says, nope, that's not what marriage is. Uh, that's not what the embrace is for. Um, it is um, it is a good thing. And so there's the closer and closer we get to the perfect swing, the more the church is going to go about um stating more clearly and more finite uh, those different truths that are there of the perfect symbol. So we want to do a little bit of theology of the body in order to get into the understanding of why would I would never commit adultery and why um, I wouldn't covet my neighbor's wife or husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so the actual act and then the actual the heart dynamic of it is kind of how you could see those two different ones. But... To get into it, um, Father Tay, you want to talk about the definition of love? 
Yes. St. John Paul II has a beautiful definition of love. He says, true love is to will the good of the other. Which actually came from St. Thomas Aquinas. But. Yes. And now, Blessed Jesus Christ, I want you to think about it, right? True love is to will the good of true the other. True love. Yeah. So if you think about what Father Brian's talking about, the perfect swing, it, it lines up with that, right? If you truly love someone, if you really cared for them, then you would make sure that in your friendship and your relationship with them, that you will protect them. You make sure they have the basic fundamentals, and that basic fundamentals is protected throughout the whole time. Um, you know, like the, the uh, psychologists have often said this numerous times, right? For example, you know, you put a mother talking to someone, and then her child's out playing, right? And the child dashed against, you know, he's going to dash against the street. What is the mother going to do? Right? She's going to go out and protect her, her child at all costs, even at the stake of her life. So the mother church is going to act in the same way because this is this is the, the, the most sacred things of all things. So it's really that act of giving, of giving self, not taking, right? So we have this dynamic between love and lust, um, Correct. which as humans, our tendency in a broader sense, when lust, use the word of lust, it's even not even sexual necessarily. Um, it definitely is, but it's also this sense of always grasping instead of receiving. And so yeah. pride makes it's us very selfish. grasp. It's very selfish. Yeah. Yep. Uh, lust makes us grasp for everything, and love makes us, um, love makes us uh, give. Love makes us want to will the good of the other, and in order to do that, I have to give myself away. So there's this um, there's this dynamic though between how men uh, give themselves and how women give themselves. Um, there's this dynamic innate in our nature as men as women, uh, what that looks like. And men um, often are wanting to be respected um, for what they did, not necessarily for who they are, but what they did. Mm. Uh, to be appreciated in the sense of what I accomplished. Because for guys, especially for men, trying to become men, we always like are looking for that affirmation that I am man, I am good enough, I am best, I am... That's just what we look for. Uh, and it's out of what I'm doing. Versus women have this uh, a different dynamic. Um, they want to be loved for who they are. And why that's different is because women are reminded quite often of who they are in their physical body. They're like, yep, I don't need to be explained to me that I'm a woman. I clearly am. Whereas a man doesn't have that sense in his body of like, I am definitely a man. It's just, um, so we always looking are looking for that affirmation that, that we are um, who God designed us to be. Correct. Uh, just to add more clarity to that, it's... Men, we look at our bodies, we know that we are men, but we are meant to use our bodies to give of ourselves. Right. And this is where it can get tricky, is because, um, for example, you know, you, with all experiences, right? When, when, when a marriage isn't based off of Christ, or when a relationship is based off merely affections, like kind of like the lovey-dovey stage, and it can't gain further than that, what happens to the men, right? They get bored, and they look over the other side of the fence, Right? Because for a while it's like I'm not being acknowledged, right? I'm not reached. How am I being respected as a man? How am I re being reminded 
that I'm a man because the love is stale. That means I'm not doing anything right now, right? So they, and so it's easy for us to jump over the other side. That's why the sixth commandment kind of deals with that, right? How are you loving your, 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 your significant other? And what the sixth commandment is more about grasping them, right? Because if we're not respected, then we're going to look for ways to be respected. And sometimes that's not the best way to be respected by taking something that is not of ours. It's not the, yeah. And then the other thing is um, men can typically become more objective, um, which is why pornography has been a big thing. And the, if you add a screen to it, um, then it even cuts out even more of the human dynamic. And so instead of seeing, like I love JP2's quote about pornography, he said, it's not that it reveals too much, it says that it, re- or it reveals too little, right? So it reveals too little about the person um, who is being objectified at that moment, um, regardless of where they're at in their own journey uh, of conversion or walking, but that they're being objected and being parts and not seeing the huge uh, uh, mystery of the person that's there in front of you. Um, but women can be that subjective, right? Women can tend towards subjectivity of an emotional um, response of uh vision casting into the future, which is a really good thing to do, especially having kids and being able to see into the future and different dynamics. But we can, it can be hijacked into, um, you know, emotional uh, relationships or um, that further thing. So there's both extremes. And then obviously there's, there's everything in the middle too. Um, so this is the bold thing that Christianity says the cross is love, uh, is agape love, is self-gift. Uh, and that's worth thinking about, praying about, and just being in that mystery. Okay, here's God himself, his son, giving himself fully um, for, me. for me, but it's a giving and a receiving. Um so it's a giving of self, and then do we receive that self? And so there's uh, that real uh, dynamic, and then we're called to do that um, in the marital embrace. We're called to do that um, in our sexuality of give ourselves and receive ourselves. Obviously, Father Tay and I, being celibates, uh, have a very not a physical aspect of that, but very much a, a spiritual aspect of that, of uh, of praying for, of giving sacraments to uh, the spiritual life, giving life in the spiritual way. So, a beautiful thing. So, uh, another thing with Theology of the Body is the basic principle, um, one of the basic principles that runs through it all, is that we are individually perfect symbols. We're not only symbols, but we're perfect symbols. So a stop sign is a symbol. And you see it and you stop. But it is not by no means a perfect symbol because there are people that run stoplights. There are people that Correct. run... If it was a stop sign that was a perfect stop sign, it would flatten your tires... It. And, and do exactly what it said it was doing, right? We, as humans, can't get away from being this perfect symbol. That's why when we don't follow these commandments, when we don't play or we don't live how we're designed to live in love and freedom, things get broken. 
and we get broken and other people around us get broken. And so this sense that um, we are perfect symbols, which means I'm only where I'm at when I'm there. Mm. Like there isn't a way of me not being present. Okay, there is a whole bunch of ways in distraction, but there is not, especially in the marital act, there isn't supposed to be, I should use the word supposed to be, there isn't supposed to be anything that's preventing me from being able to give myself and to know that myself has been received by the other. Nothing should prevent that from happening. And so that's what the church is saying is like, that's why it even goes into contraception of like, there should be nothing in this scenario, in this happening, in this deep abiding love that shouldn't be there because I am perfect and I am perfectly called to give myself away and to be perfectly received by the other. And so in theology of the body is this base. And so it's the, the, and that's, that's essentially why the, the pornography is so uh, destructive is because mm-hmm. it, it objectifies what is yes. perfect inside of itself, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Every woman is to be said that she is loved beyond price, and every man is to receive, is is to be able to give himself and know that he's enough, and and to be in that dynamic, um, and that's why marriage is such a beautiful thing. Um, Amen. Because that dynamic happens each and every time, uh, should happen each and every time that the marital embrace happens. Um, mm-hmm. That's why the church. It stresses so much. Uh, what you said, Father Brian, so beautiful. There should be nothing hindering you, especially if, if you're married, right, to, to give of your love for the other and to receive the love. That's, that's why the act makes both parties, the, the husband and the wife, so vulnerable. And when sin creeps into that picture, it makes the love tainted. Like, you, like for example, we all know that, the, uh, we all know that feeling when we, we know that we're loved, but for some reason we can't seem to grasp it. We can't seem to understand this. That spiritual barrier, right? That's what happens um, when pornography enters into the, into the picture, or when you when we're not satisfied with the ones that's giving us that love, or we're thinking about someone else in that moment, right? That's why sex is so beautiful and makes the both parties so vulnerable. And that's why when God speaks to us, we're fearful because we're vulnerable in front of Him. And, and so and so this love is so beautiful and so awesome and so vulnerable that it needs to be protected and done in the most secret recesses of, of our hearts and in the most context of uh, only for eyes that needs to be seen, right? This is not me speaking romantically about this. For many of you who are married, you know, <laughs> you probably have a better idea. And you know what I'm talking about, and that's why pornography has been destroying it, it and family life is because the devil hates it. This is how God loves. The, the family life is a reflection of how the Trinity is. And so the devil doesn't want us to receive the fullness of God's love. And so he creeps into our reality and he, he attacks the family. And that's why we, Father Brian and I were taking the time to really explain that you have a beautiful calling and a beautiful vocation within marriage and how this gift of love should be protected at all costs at all costs yeah and then this this so the first one is the act second one nine you should not cover your neighbor's wife husband it's the spirit of the first one right um 
in some sense. So <laughs> this is the coolest part about the sacrament of marriage. Uh, mm-hmm. It's salvific, right? We've talked about that yes. in the past. It's salvific. And so the person that the Lord has called me to love is my spouse. Mm-hmm. That is what is saving me. Giving myself away and receiving the other is what's saving me. Me giving my uh, faith best that I can onto my kids, all of that is, is in the process of saving myself. I get grace from that to be saved in Jesus. That's a huge statement. It is a profound one, but this is this is like the mic drop. That's the sole focus, right? So anyone else that I'm tempted to look at to uh, to start deteriorating from just that focus of that one unique particular person that is in my life isn't going to help save me, right? So it's. It's to say, I'm so focused on my husband or on my wife and on God that that is what is, that's what my life is. Mm. Um, and it's not that we can't have friends of the opposite sex. It's not that we can't um, help each other and walk with each other. Of course, that naturally happens, and it's a good thing. But it's saying, if I go that extra step to covet, to actually start grasping for something... That isn't going to save me. It's not going to be helpful, right? So, as I was saying, this is another thing. This is a crazy thing about the sexual embrace uh, that um, two finite creatures can come together and create an infinite third. So, that is... For how puny humans are, that's a crazy dynamic that God created from the beginning, right? He called us to be able to see, and that's that's Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Woman, being able to see woman, flesh of my flesh. He perfectly saw, before the fall, he perfectly saw Eve in her nakedness. And she perfectly saw Adam in his nakedness. Like, mm-hmm. perfectly. Uh, mm-hmm. All of it, all of them, yeah. like all yeah. of the personhood is expressed in that, um, which brings us to this. It's like, then God gave them, the, you know, be fruitful and multiply. Like, that's what the Lord is asking of us. And so, but, and multiply, meaning that infinite third that we co-create with God to create this third life that comes about and has the possibility of having, well, we all have an infinite life um, after we're created, but this finiteness has an infinite uh, third that's joined to it. And so uh, it's just a crazy thing. And so just the reverence and awe of of sex, of sexuality, of our being able to give ourselves, it's not something... um, to be given away lightly by all means and that's why the church wants to protect it within the marriage because once when I'm in once when I'm married then there's a commitment level for raising these kids that isn't supposed to be broken by anyone right Jesus says that right whatever is bound and been bound <laughs> shouldn't be unbound right what is the word asunder 
should be put yep. asunder. What, I love that. What God has, cre- yeah, what God has cre- uh, created together, let no man, no, let no man put asunder. Let no man, nothing break it. I don't even know what that word means, but it sounds. I always say it wrong. I feel like when I have a wedding. But anyways, that's the real sense of like that's and that's why the church holds into um, you know having your church or having. Uh, Marriage is annulled versus divorce, right? Divorce is specifically breaking a bond that is there. An annulment from the church is saying what we thought and looked like a marriage for 30 plus years. We looked at the facts and in the moment they weren't actually able to give themselves and receive themselves at the point of the vows. And so the sacrament never took place. Although good came about, kids came about, all of that came about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not breaking something; it's saying that it never existed. So there's a that was a side tangent, but we're rambling. Yeah. So the gift, the gift of sexuality is a very beautiful thing because it's the highest form of love, but also speaks to our our hearts and our desires to be loved, to be known, and to be cherished. Even psychologists have re echoed that thought by saying there are three fundamental questions that person asks. Who am I? Am I loved? Am I known? And am I worth it? That's the deepest part of love. If we, if you're not called to marriage, right? For example, Father Brian and I, we were called to be celibates, uh, celibate priests. We still yearn to be known by the one, by the one God that we love, right? If you're married, you, you yearn to be loved by the one that's going to save you and to bring you to heaven. That is a natural human desire. If sex wasn't a good thing, then why would God create this desire within us to be loved and to be recognized for who we are? That's the deeper level of sex, is to be nourished and to be intimate with the ones that we love beyond any other thing in the world. That's why we're fighting so hard for the sacrament of marriage. That's why as priests, we're begging you, you know, love your spouse, you know, love the other, raise each other well, you know. And help each other grow and help your children grow because you are perpetuating another holy family in the future. And so because of this strong love, why would you want to turn your back against it? There's so many graces for you. It's, un- it's unbelievable. I mean, once again, Father Brian, you're right, we were rambling. But it's such a beautiful sacrament. We cannot help but go on and on and on. Yeah, eventually we'll do something on the sacraments. Um, so... Few things, uh, just a few resources, really. Um, I've been using some of this COVID to um, COVID time to uh, start looking into theology of the body because I don't feel like I was super um, formed in it even in seminary. So um, going back through it and, and learning it a little bit deeper and going in depth and stuff. So um, one thing I want to point out is a podcast called Always Hope. Um, her first, um, Dark Doctor Mario, he has he Sakasa. He invites Jennifer Miller to come in and talk about masculinity and femininity. She's great. Yeah. yeah. And so there's two uh, there's two separate ones, um, and there's actually one that's there of uh, overcoming pornography too um, in relationships and what that looks like too. So. Uh, always hope, Dr. Sakasa. And then I also found this um, 43, 45-minute video or podcast called Theology of the Body 101 from Chris System College. Um, so those are two, uh, two, three 
resources if you're trying to figure out what is theology of the body, what is um, ways to go about the dynamic of understanding what it is to be woman, what it is to be man, the gift of self, all of that. And then also, this is the coolest part, if you listen to this in the next three days, this will be helpful. May 5th through the 10th, I don't know if your Facebook has been filling up with this, but mine has, um, is a Theology of the Body virtual conference where they're going to have, uh, it's free, and they're going to have, um, I think they have 70 plus speakers that are going to come in Friday at noon through Sunday um, doing talks on Theology of the Body, and it's, uh, I think it's T obconferencestream.com or something like that. Theology of the Body is what that stands for, T-O-B. So just uh, an encouragement for that here on May 8th through the 10th. Uh, if you haven't signed up, sign up. It's free. Um, or for like 60 bucks or something, you can get uh, unlimited access to all the talks afterwards, which totally is what I did. But, all right, now we really are rambling. So... <laughs> yeah, we got to what do we got? We just encourage you uh, to listen to us. So for the next podcast, we'll continue to dive into the different um, commandments. But but for uh, for this one, really pray. Right? How do I want to be loved? How do I want to receive that love? Because if you perpetually think about that, I don't even know if I phrase you? it that way. How am I loved? Not how do I want to be loved. Correct. Sorry. And then how do I give myself with who I am already? Perfect. That's what I meant to say. That's why we have two co-hosts in case one messes up the wording. <laughs> yeah. How how am I loved, and how do I give love? Uh, probably two big questions you should bring up to prayer and allow God to to show you His love for you. The other one that's super uh, another intimate one, especially in marriage, is. How do I say I'm sorry and how do I receive that I'm sorry or that I was forgiven, right? So that's another one to even make it even deeper is because all of our, we're not supposed to, uh, we're not supposed to be living in boxes. We're supposed to be living integrated our entire life, converted into Christ as St. Paul continually reminds us, continual conversion. And so even that real sense of um, being able to say I'm sorry and I forgive you and how we do that best. Um, through ourselves that's something that we do individually have to figure out um, in those moments so awesome thank you so much for tuning for tuning into our podcast we greatly appreciate all your support and your, and your prayers and we just ask that you you in turn pray for us and keep your hearts open and like the mantra of all of all things stay holy my friends and see you next week do we want to make the announcement do you want to make the announcement? Kind of do. All right. What's going on? So, Father Tay and I have been named pastors um, of what parishes. So, I'm going up to Janesville, Waldorf, and New Richland. And Father Tay is going 10 minutes down the road at... Sacred Hearts in Wasika, Minnesota. Boom. So, so we're becoming pastors it, July 1. So we need some prayers. That'd be great. <laughs> Amen. So, I right. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.